0: Welcome to a very special Queen Deep Dive. Guess what number we're on? We are on dive number 50. It finally happened. We are approximately a third of the way through the madness. I cannot believe it. 50 songs I've done this four. I've broken them down. I've talked about quotes. I've talked about the boys and how they wrote these and how they put these together in such marvelous fashion. And this is all marvelous, Freddie Mercury, fabulous, Freddie. And this wonderful fourth song on their fifth album, A Day at the Races, all glam, Baroque rock waltz. This number Ladies and gents, we are talking about the one, the only, The Millionaire Waltz. I love this song. This is going to be one of those that I say that many times through this dive. I love this song. I think it's a work of art. I think it's gorgeous. I think this is Fabulous Freddy and all his glory. You get the picture. I really love this one. It's one of the reasons A Day at the Races is a top queen album of mine. This was never a single, and I suppose it it, it can't really be a a single. I've read some people criticize this song's lack of any kind of a pop feature musically, which means it can't really stand as a single. I mean, could we really? Could we really say that? This is so marvelous, though, honestly. Even if it wasn't a single This is gorgeous, we're at 96 BPM, but there's a lot of liberty taken with the meter here, with the tempo, (laughs) with the tempo, not the meter. Well, there is a lot of, okay. Wow, this is fantastic. This is gonna be one of those queen deep dives where I think I stumble over myself quite a bit because there's so much to say. This is a very complex number and yes, it is not stuck at 96 BPM. There's a lot of rubato here. There's a lot of liberty taken in that tempo. And yes, the time signature, the meter, same thing. We've got 3/4, 3/4 9/8, 4/4 or 12/8, and finally 4/4. Four, four. <laughs> We're really shifting here, but it feels seamless. I have to say that because despite these shifts in time signature, in meter, this is effortless. And as we would expect with anything Freddie, many a key change as well. But they're neighboring and parallel keys, so we're never stretching too far. Still, F major, F minor, E flat major, A flat major, and a little bit of B major as well. And this is all lamenting a lost love, with fond memories and cheerful desires to reconnect. It's thought that Freddie wrote this about the band's manager at the time, John Reed. And I wanna talk about that a little bit more as we get through this because it's kind of a sweet little thing if you consider some of the band's history. This is all Freddie, though it's playful, charming fashion. He gives us a perfectly longing and passionate declaration of love, filled to the brim with attitude, sass, expression, and tenderness as well. It's similar to Bow Rap's song structure with very abrupt key changes and time signature shifts, but it's more positive and uplifting. The Millionaire Waltz takes us through friendly, classically inspired, lighthearted longing. To rougher rock and roll infused urgency. A great contrast here. Freddie leads the delivery with his usual flair and drama on vocals, and both Freddie and Rogers layered backing vocal performances. And there are many layers. We've got onions going on again. They swing from delicate to so decadent. John in a very happy surprise, is featured in somewhat of a lead bass role for the entire first portion of the song as he and Freddie dance alongside one another on bass and complementary piano. And Brian, while he's absent vocally, what? Yes, he's given massive time to shine in many, many Many guitar multi tracks that create a fanfare and a celebration of love and wanting. Is it intense? Yeah. Is it a bit silly? At times, yeah. Is it fun? Oh, absolutely, yes. Freddie may be extravagant here, but would we expect anything less? This is fabulous Freddie at his finest. It echoes the earlier playful lazing on a Sunday afternoon, but it captures soft and warm sentiments in a more classical, marvelous way. Where lazing was decorated with vaudeville flair, millionaire is elaborate and glam baroque. You guys, baroque music, classical baroque music was very important. It was sandwiched between the Renaissance era and the actual classical era of classical music. And what Baroque did was bring a more structured style to the performance of music. You had more motifs, you had a little bit more organization, you had themes that came in the music. It was just that much more strategically orchestrated. And music as we know it pretty much grew from that. I'm actually personally not the biggest fan of Baroque classical music. I remember in school, Baroque was one of my least favorite eras to play a composition from. I much preferred classical era, classical music, or even Renaissance music for whatever reason. Maybe it felt more experimental to me, (laughs) Renaissance music. But Baroque is very straightforward structured classical songwriting. And I always felt like a lot of Baroque had a lot of staccato in it, very short notes that are fixated in a square form. So for me, there was less expression in a Baroque number, whereas classical music was more sweeping, more emotional, more expressive, etc. So that's a little bit of history for you when it comes to the evolution of classical music as a whole. The Millionaire Waltz was played, get this, 107 times. You might be surprised given the sheer complexity of this number from 77 through 81, though it was almost entirely played in 77 with 85 performances that year. And this completely transforms live. Dare I say it, I almost love it more In a live setting, despite its lack of length, this song is cut almost in half, or it feels like it's cut almost in half. There's quite a few phrases missing, but they did that to, I think, not just because limit the sheer challenge of performing such a complex number on stage, but they kind of segued into another number at the end of the song. But live, the incredible piano and bass playfulness. Roger suddenly appears in the first verse, which we don't have on the album. It's a great refreshing and reviving vibe. So different than the album version with those drums in that verse. Roger's riffs are fun. Those toms are beautiful accents on the beat. Brian appears at the end of the verse. There's a twinkle for Freddie. And we suddenly launch into the rock out section. That come back to me, oh my love. That lovely aggressiveness from Freddie. This, this is where Queen shines so insanely bright on a stage. John on that bass is just, uh, it's so good. He's moving so fast on those notes for seconds and seconds on end. The end of this phrase, it doesn't end. The pounding, the drumming, the (laughs) basing. I've used that before. It's not a word. I don't care. The energy. Brian gives us a little third triad chord awesomeness. It's similar to what we get from his extensive solos, which are sometimes eight, 10, 12 minutes long. Freddie bounces back to piano and we shift into that lovely carnival extravagant piece, Brian on his guitar, that jovial guitar, and Freddie, my fine friend. He's so good with his performance here. It ends rather abruptly, as I said, going into You're My Best Friend. The only thing missing from those live performances, backing vocals from Raj and Brian. Yeah, that would have been the final touch, in my opinion. But this is such a Freddie feature, this song. It seems appropriate that Freddie and he alone would carry this vocally. Freddie, in an interview on Capitol Radio, once said... Quote, Brian did do a very good job on the actual guitars. He's really taken his guitar orchestration to its limits. I don't know how he's ever going to outdo that one, actually. And John played very good bass on that. I think it's good. And we're patting ourselves on the back again. Yes, he's talking about the millionaire waltz. I think he had some other comments about his own inspiration behind it too, but I focused on his comments about the other guys because I love it when they call out each other's awesomeness. Now, Brian, in 1982, with On The Record, he talked about this number's elaborate guitar layers saying, quote, I think that holds the record. There's one bit in there, which is sort of fairground effect in the background. I think there are three octaves for each part and six parts. I'm not sure, but there must be about 18 or 20 guitar tracks. It's a funny sound. It makes a peculiar sort of rigid sound. I was really surprised. It sounded like a fairground organ. And he's right on that, Brian. And later, Brian said in Q Magazine in March of 2008... Quote, this was our greatest musical excess. It teems with Baroque life and makes Bohemian Rhapsody look easy. Great piece of Freddie. What a wonderful thing to say about your bandmate. What a wonderful thing to say. I love that these guys constantly go back and talk about these songs that are so established in their catalog and so old. It's wonderful to see how their sentiment around them is consistent even all these years later. It's still hard to believe there's no Brian on background vocals here. Really? I mean, yes, I believe it because I can't hear Brian. I, 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 think, I think I'm pretty good at picking out the guys in their multi-tracked layered harmonies and yeah. No Brian here. This is very much a Roger background vocal song, actually. Yes, Freddie is there as well, but I hear a lot of Roger here. This is also one of six tracks from A Day at the Races that the boys had recorded the framework by the end of July of 76, no more than a month after recording began. So this was knocked out in its framework, the bones of it, fairly early on in those recording sessions for races. I want to go back to that note about this song potentially being for John Reed, the guy's manager. If it is for him, it's a lovely tribute because here's the thing. If it wasn't for John Reed, Queen may have turned out quite differently. Before the band began working with John Reed, they'd approached Peter Grant, who managed Led Zeppelin. And apparently Peter's intent was to have Queen tour while he worked out their financial issues with former management. But John Reed told the guys to go make the best album you can make when he took the helm, which ultimately led to Bohemian Rhapsody and the guys catapulting to success. So who knows? Is it possible that Freddie may have written Bohemian Rhapsody regardless? If they'd gone straight on tour, like Peter wanted them to do. We will never know. So perhaps it is the absolute best decision the guy's ever made to work with John Reed. And if this song is really something that Freddie wanted to write for him, that's just such a great, cute thing. I don't know. I I love it. I love it if that was the motivation. But if this is just a song that is meant to be reflective and longing and fun and pure, I love that too. It doesn't really matter what motivated this song. What matters is the millionaire waltz is marvelous. It is over the top and excessive in the best way. Elegant is often used to describe this, and many fans cite it as one of their essential queen-defining favorites. Generally, listeners enjoy this for what it is, an indulgent, flowery, gorgeously constructed moving piece from Freddie with all the passion he could muster. There are those who read into the playfulness of Freddie's composition and especially his delivery, hearing a little fun, tongue-in-cheek intention, but even if a lot of this was all for fun, what fun it is, what joy it is. I've talked about Queen expressing so much joy in their work, and this is right up there. This acyclic masterpiece kicks off playfully, whimsically. Freddie on piano on the right, John's echoed bass melody on the left. This was a very common thing for bands back then to have this kind of mixing with instruments entirely isolated on one side of the speakers. And it's so awesome that you could listen to either side and only hear that featured melody line. It changes everything entirely. Arpeggios, thirds, brief shifts in meter, This is so elaborate and gorgeously orchestrated. Freddie appears on lead vocals in the middle, front, and center, and the bass and the piano slowly meet and surround both sides of the listener. Ah, these vocal harmonies give a little love. Hello, Freddie and Roger. Then that guitar riff. This isn't aggressive, gritty guitar, no. Brian gives us melodic, smooth, rich, orchestrated, that Baroque style, full-on, strings-like guitar. It climbs up the scale in a glorious fanfare of sound. Every nuance of this, divine, the way each note lingers and fades, the subtle attacks from Freddie's voice and each instrument, the way the notes all swirl happily, gracefully through this number, and its many key changes. Into the next section, we're a minute in and we're already shifting. It's softer, just piano and Freddie reminiscing until John chimes in again, delicately on bass. The key changes, and John gives us a marvelous riff up the scale into Roger's lithe, high, high harmonies. With a resolution of this phrase, Freddie longs and nearly whispers— Forever and ever. I have to point out again how the piano and the bass intertwine throughout this number. There are moments like the end of this phrase where the tiniest of notes complement each other, where the harmonies echo, and these two instruments turn into one in exp- expression. It's lovely. Another key change, and Freddie is yearning more than ever come back to me along. Oh, his falsetto is a force of nature here. His piano is some of the most beautiful I've heard yet with effortless chord transitions and a touch similar to my favorite, You Take My Breath Away, in its tenderness. Then in a spin, a guitar solo That's so soft, you nearly wonder if it's really Brian on guitar. But the tempo shifts, the mood lifts, the assertiveness rises, and harmonized and multi tracked vocals appear. Come back, come back to me. Brian echoes that phrase with a playful riff as if to respond in kindness to the vocal reply. When this section resolves, it is rich with chords all around that take us back to a home key of sorts, but the mood feels warmer, slows and quiets again, and similar to something like Death on Two Legs, then, surprise, surprise, the key is moodier, the drums suddenly stun us, the guitar is all aggressive and harsh and chromatic scale moves, the bass is fast and pounding, and with a furious repeated drum riff, Freddie screams out, Oh my love, how I long for your love. This is fabulous. The bass, the guitar riffs, the crashes from Raj, the piano, Freddie's voice. Ah, it's all so loud and awesome. There are some rather interesting vocal dissonances appearing and it results in a kind of friction with the music, but it does reflect the pleading and the aggression and moodiness of the lyrics. But we're shifting again back to a waltzer feel. And it's a very classic one at that. John holds the tempo, Freddie bounces on the piano and Brian appears very playfully on the guitar in that carnival-like extravaganza atmosphere. This is one of those perfectly singable and lovable guitar moments. And we get Triangle, which I believe John played live. And that wouldn't be the first time that happened. Remember Killer Queen. Back to this loveliness, this is quiet and incredible, elaborate, classically inspired arrangement. I can hear this in my head with a full orchestra playing. The notes become broader, more legato, less playful. The guitar soars, big cymbals, and some quite complex and beautiful guitar riffs into another soft moment. And one of the saddest ones we get, Freddie pleads, asking once again, my fine friend, forever. There are some nicely executed vocal effects here. Freddie sounds far away and nostalgic and the key shifts are haunting. Then just in time for the outro, rising guitars triumphantly return. The bass dominates all melodic. The harmonies are back all around us. And I think this is all Freddie at first and then Roger's higher edgier falsettos arrive. This is the one moment where a previous theme is heard, and it bookends this fabulous Freddie number. The piano, the guitar, the bass, the drums appear unrelenting as only Freddie and Queen can do. Then a pause, a trill, Freddie sneaks back in. Make me feel like a millionaire. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> that is literally how it ends. I love this song. I love it, I love how complex it is. I love that it keeps us on our toes. I love that it's playful, but it's also tender, it's fun, it's soft, it's exciting, it's energetic. Again, there's a kind of joy here. Yeah, it's reflective. There's a little bit of melancholy, but I get so much enthusiasm from this. And every time I hear it, it just makes me smile. And it makes me think about Freddie. And it makes me think about his love for elaborate arrangements. And let's just throw as many key shifts in here as we possibly can. And let's surprise people with a stunning rock number right in the middle of this carnival playfulness. I love this. I love this. It's one of my favorites from Freddie. It's one of my favorites. So different than the soft aching, you take my breath away before it. But I love this number, the 50th Queen Deep Dive. We've been on, ladies and gents, The Millionaire Waltz. Go check it out. Listen to a live performance because it's so different. Yes, I think it would have been great to get harmony vocals from Roger and or Brian in the live performances, but having this live in any form and having it live where we get a little bit more guitar and drums in it as well, even though it's shorter, is such a treat. And I think you'll love it. I think it'll brighten your day. It'll make you think about Freddie and his fabulousness, darling. So just go enjoy The Millionaire Waltz, one of the most stylish, glamorous numbers the guys ever did, if I may say so. I hope you guys are having a good day. I hope you had a great long weekend. I I know that statement's gonna be irrelevant in a couple of weeks. People are gonna be like, what? (laughs) We just, most of us, I think, had a wonderful holiday weekend just now. So I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you love the rest of your day, your evening, have a drink, enjoy the millionaire waltz. A toast to all of you for seeing me through these 50 deep dives. What a journey. We're not even halfway done. You have any idea how excited that makes me that we still have dives and dives and dives to go? And many of them are some of my very favorite top 10 queen songs ever. So I'll be back next time. Keep yourselves alive. Did I say that already? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's my sign off. So if I say it more than once, it's okay. It's my podcast. I'll do what I want to. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a great rest of your moment. Have a moment and make it a good one.